Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. Well, we're continuing a series that we started last week called Increase Our Faith. And if you're new to God, or if you wouldn't even say today that you're following God, uh, you're, not, you're not a Christian at all, or you've been following Jesus for a while, Increase Our Faith is just a great prayer to pray for every person. Because all of us can know what it's like to feel like our faith in God is shaky. Like there could be greater faith. I could trust Him more. And so last week we started this series, and what I want to do as your pastor, if I am your pastor, is for this month give you five ways, very practically, of how our faith is increased, especially on those days where it feels hard to trust in the Lord. And we're taking this message from a prayer that the disciples themselves prayed on a day when Jesus was telling them, here's what it means to be my follower, to obey me, to forgive others, Right in the middle of his teaching, the apostles say this. Luke chapter 17, verse 5. The apostles said to the Lord, let's say it together. Increase our faith. Increase our faith. In the middle of Jesus telling them, if you're going to follow me, it's going to be a life of surrender. It's going to be a life of obedience. You're going to forgive others. You're going to love others. You're going to pray for people. You're going to be generous. They're like, oh my goodness. Increase our faith. They're just real. And I believe it's so important for you and I today to not have a fabricated Christianity, to just think, well, I can just, you know, put on happiness when I'm really broken and I'm really hurting. No, increase our faith. And last week we discovered that a great way for our faith to increase is to read the Bible. How many of you soaped a little this week? Go ahead and raise your hand if you did the soap journal. A couple people. BlazeChurch.org slash Bible. Because we want to read scripture every single day. And today we're going to learn another great practice in our lives so that our faith might increase. Before we discover that practice, let me read to you the words of Jesus that I believe are going to bring refreshing to each one of us. Jesus says this in Matthew 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you, what's the word? The words of Jesus. Anyone want to be bold and say, I feel a little heavy laden today. <laughs> All right, I feel like there's just a lot going on in my mind. Like there's a lot that I have to do even later. There's a lot in my, my life and in my family's life. We know that. Let me read it to you in the message paraphrase. Eugene Peterson writes it this way. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. All right. Anyone ever been tired before? Come on, that's all of us. The rest of you are just liars. You're not raising your hand. There's no way you've never been tired. We all know what it's like to be tired. We all know what it's like to feel burned out. We all know what it's like to be worn out. And so in this life, this world, the people around you, the patterns of this world, even you will lie to yourself about ways to find refreshing. Oh, you're feeling tired? Just Netflix binge. Oh, because I feel great after being on the couch for 13 hours. That's awesome. Uh, you're, you're a little burned out? Just, just get you some dominoes, man. A couple pies. 
You, you don't like what you're seeing? Just you do you. You take care of you. You, you. you make your own way. You make your own path. And Jesus says, you're tired? You're worn out? Come to me. Now that sounds great, especially here, like in church. It's like, all right, fine, I'll come to Jesus. Like, that's what I'm doing. I'm here. But what about when we're so tired with life that the thought of coming to Jesus feels tiring? Anyone ever feel that? Like, I don't even know. I, yeah, I'd love to come to him, but I'm, I'm having connection issues. And that's what I want to talk about today. How do we come to the Lord when we actually feel disconnected from him? So we all know what it's like to experience connection issues in our lives. Uh, interestingly enough, as I was preparing this message on Tuesday at the church office, the Wi-Fi went down at the church. And I'm like, Satan, get behind me. You've got to be kidding me. Like, I need Wi-Fi. We, we all know what it's like in our lives. Like, if you're waiting for that next show to stop scrolling and actually load up, or you're trying to do your work that requires an instant internet connection— we know what it's like to have connection issues. Now, the next two words that I'm going to show you, they're probably going to trigger some really bad memories from your past, and I apologize for that. We're going to work through it, but how many of you rem remember dial-up? Wait for it. And then someone in your house picked up the phone <laughs> once you finally had an internet connection and that person in your house no longer lived in your house because you told them you can find somewhere else to live now. Right? If you don't know what that sound is, maybe you're too young to know that sound, God bless you. You have no idea. We had to wait, and I'm a product of when the internet like really started in home. So I can remember even at Walmart buying AOL cards just on a CD, just to get me some minutes to get on the internet, right? We understand the frustration of dial-up, and now we live in a world where we should constantly be connected with our internet devices, and today we're not going to talk so much about internet connections. I want to talk about our connection issues with God. What do we do on the days where it almost feels like I've got a dial-up connection with the Lord, and I just can't connect? I can't seem to connect with him and increase my faith. I don't even know that I have any faith today. And maybe that's where you are. You don't believe in God. He's not your savior. He's not the Lord of your life. And so for you, even attempting to start this connection with God, I mean, how do I even do that? And others, you're following Jesus, and yet your faith is waning because your pace in life is picking up. Because the problems of life seem to be choking out the presence of the Lord. And maybe if you're honest, you've prayed a prayer that we read over and over again in the Bible, in the book of Psalms, and it goes something like this. Where are you, God? You know, that's a prayer that's in Scripture. Do you know Jesus even prays that prayer on the cross? Where are you? I feel forsaken. So if you've ever had those days— then I hope that today you'll be encouraged. You and I might discover what should we do on the days where our connection with the Lord feels disrupted. So it's way harder to talk about ourselves than it is to talk about others. So let's talk about the disciples for a few minutes. Let's just kind of get away from us. This isn't our issue. This is very much the disciples' issue, the followers of Jesus. 
And let's see, on a day where they were unable to connect with the Lord, what Jesus said to them, and maybe by looking at their day, you and I might learn what to do on these days. Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. The Bible's broken up into two parts, and we'll read this verse. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. Don't miss verse 16. This is a dad who's coming to Jesus. Help my son. He's got these seizures going on. He needs you. And look, look at what he says next. This is horrible. I don't want this guy as my friend. He says in verse 16, I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Really, bro? You're going to throw us under the bus like that? The dad's telling Jesus, like, I brought my son to your followers, your followers who you commissioned and empowered to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to do these miraculous things. In fact, they've done these things before. I brought him to them, and they were unable to do anything about it. Okay, so we're going to say they're having some connection issues with God that day. Because they've seen the miraculous before, these disciples. They've been a part of those things. And, and the dad is saying they couldn't do it. Now, Jesus's words next are striking and marking and offensive. Just so you know. So as we read his words, may our hearts not be so hard that we don't see the beauty and the grace in them. But this is what I would call no games, Jesus. Like if you have artwork of Jesus in your house, that's cool. But I guarantee you don't have artwork with this verse on it. You've got like gentle Jesus. He's holding a lamb. He's got a beauty pageant sash. He's got long blonde hair. Like that makes any sense for a Middle Eastern man. Right? You're just like, that's Jesus. He's knocking on the door of my heart. Thank you, God. I love him. I have coffee with him. It's weird. Matthew 17, 17. <laughs> you unbelieving and perverse generation. Anybody drink from a Christian coffee mug that says that? <laughs> it's Wednesday. <laughs> Unbelieving and perverse. Here we go. What does that mean? Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. The words of Jesus to his disciples who are unable to, to do what he's called them to do on a day where they're having connection issues with a frustrated father wondering why his son isn't being healed. Jesus's response should cause us to step back and say, what does he mean by that? Where is his love and his grace in unbelieving and perverse? Well, first, we need to understand what these words truly mean. And I'd like to suggest to you in the context of today's theme of connection, Here's what unbelieving truly means at its heart. You're not connected enough to God. To be unbelieving means you are not connected enough to God. There's a verse in Scripture which is terrifying. It says that there are people who believe in God, and yet they deny His actual transforming power in their lives. Maybe you've been there before. When someone asks you, do you believe in God? You say, yes, I believe in him. But when we look at your life, it doesn't reflect any sort of belief. I've been there before. 
if we're honest, we'd say we've all been there at different points in our lives, where we have a sense of knowing God, and yet we deny his actual power in our lives. Well, Jesus says that's unbelieving. You're not connected enough to God. And to be perverse simply means you're too connected to the world. To be perverse means your connection is great with the patterns of this world. Because what is perverse? It's twisted. It's polluted. It's diluted. To be perverse means that you are, you're not on this path, but rather it's winding. It's curved. So Jesus goes, you've, you've got two problems here, and they relate to each other. One, you're unbelieving. You have disconnected from God. And secondly, you have way, way too much world in you. you. You're connected way too much to the patterns of this world. If someone were to actually look at your life, even outside of this snapshot in time, from 11 to 12 on a Sunday morning, would they see a true connection to the Lord in our lives? That's a hard question to ask. Pastor, build me up. We're going to get there. But Jesus starts here. Your problem is you're unbelieving and you're so I'm not going to give you specifics on how you and I, notice, and I may, may land unbelieving and perverse, but I am going to give you a question and highly encourage you to write it down or with your photographic memory, do not forget this, and ask the Lord this question this week. Is there a place in my life where I'm not connected enough to God? Just ask him, and he'll show you. He's so good at talking. He'll, he'll show you. It, it may be in the area of your relationships that you've adopted the patterns of this world as it comes to your relationships, even your healthy good ones, as you relate to your children or your spouse or your close friends, yet you're not connected enough to the Lord there. And then if you want to know about, is there a perversion in my heart? Well, ask this. Is there a place in my life where I've allowed too much of the world in me? Just ask him. What have you got to lose? I mean, he'll show you, and then you get to make a decision because we are free will creatures to say, I, I still, I don't care. I'm going to just continue being connected to these things. But just know, if you and I are struggling with a connection problem with the Lord, there's two important things we need to understand. First is this. If today, like this day, October 9th, it is hard for, is it October 9th? I always throw out dates and then don't know. I got it right. October 9th, it's hard for you to connect with the Lord. Like, you're, the fact that you're even here is awesome. Everything was stopping you from getting here today. Like, your children, your car, the Giants game, playing Green Bay at 930 in London. Like, everything was a reason for you, and you're here. That's awesome. And what you need to know if you're having connections issues with the Lord is, first of all, you are not alone in that. Can, can, like, someone who feels disconnected from the Lord on various days say amen there so we know we're not alone? Like, amen? Like, but we're not alone there. So here's why you need to know that. Because the enemy of your soul would love to convince you no one else struggles with this. You're the only one who can't sense God. In fact, you can't sense him. You shouldn't even bother going to church. You shouldn't read your Bible. You shouldn't reach out to your small group members. So know this first. You're not alone in your connection issue with the Lord. And secondly, he hasn't changed. I know it's hard for us to hear, but he's the same God as when we become unbelieving and perverse. Now that's the problem, but I'm grateful that we're going to keep reading for the solution. <laughs> Can you imagine if we ended here? You guys would never come back. I ain't going back to that church. They just beat me up the whole time, 20 minutes. They just told me I'm a perverted person. I ran out. 
Right, so let's let's keep reading. What does Jesus have to say? Mark chapter 9. We're going to pick up in Mark now because both Matthew and Mark write about this moment. So remember, the last thing Jesus says is, bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foamed at the mouth. Mark is writing all that was seen. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. Now look at the father's plea in desperation. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And I got to believe that today there are some parents in this space that are praying the exact same words of that father. That there are some singles here. There are some married people here. There are some employers or employees here. Or trying to find myself vocational people here. It was 2020. You can laugh at that. It's okay, everybody. There's all of us here that at some point we say, God, if you can do something, if, if there's a way for you to do something, please take pity on me. Help me. And Jesus graciously points the Father in the right direction, and he points us there too. Look at Jesus' words. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. So Jesus looks at the desperation of the Father who can't understand why the disciples were unable to do what they should have been able to do. The disciples are over here not understanding why are we so disconnected that we couldn't do this. And he goes, if you can do this, please. And Jesus restates, like, if you can, like, basically to say, of course I can. And he affirms it by saying, everything is possible for the one who believes. Now, if we stop here, and if Jesus doesn't go any further, and the Father doesn't respond, then what we get here is a prosperity gospel that is no gospel at all. It's a gospel that puts all the pressure on you to just have enough faith in order to see the miracle in your life. Maybe you've been victim of that before. Where someone's telling you, well, the reason why this bad thing happened is because you just didn't believe enough, brother. You just got to pray more, sister. And they do that. And you want to slap them. I believe that I could knock you out. Does that count? Because I'm like, my faith is strong right now. So if we stop here, and this is not the message of Blaze Church. We're celebrating seven years next week, and it's going to be the best party you've ever been to. So make sure you're here. Yeah, next Sunday, we've got crazy, crazy stuff. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. we got this photo booth that doesn't make sense. It is the coolest photo booth I've ever seen. So you want to be here next week. I don't even know why I said that. Where was I going just now? Oh, enough faith. So if we had that gospel from the start seven years ago, this church would not be where it is today. Because that gospel runs people out of the doors. When it tells you just believe a little harder. I'm trying, Pastor. You got to believe a little harder. You got to believe. It's, it's all the pressures on you. And I, so if, if, if Jesus stops there, he gives the father shaky ground that will collapse. His son's not healed. So then what's he going to conclude? I just must have not enough faith. I'll walk away from God. He doesn't stop there. Here's what the father says instantly. It says, immediately, the boy's father exclaimed. And here's his exclamation. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. So, which is it? Do you believe 
or is there doubt? And the answer is yes, both. The father is expressing a messy faith. He's expressing a faith that says, I believe in God, but I'm having connection issues today. He's expressing a faith that says, I do believe, but I need some help because there's some doubt mixed in. Do you know what we call that at Blaze Church? Normal. He's just got a normal faith. He's got, I believe in God, but I didn't expect to lose my job. I didn't expect this diagnosis. I didn't expect my children to be living this way. So yeah, I believe, but also I'm kind of having some connection issues here. And what Jesus does next shows how gracious and loving he is to a believe, unbelieving and perverse generation. Because if prosperity gospel is true, then Jesus should walk away and say, fix your faith, and then I'll fix your son. You believe more, and then you'll get your miracle. Sow a seed, you'll reap. If that's all true, then that's what Jesus should say next. But Jesus lovingly and graciously meets a father in his messy faith and beautifully displays his power to him. Just like he's able to do in your life. So here's how it concludes. Verse 25, when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. Way to go, Jesus. You killed him. <laughs> I, I came here for you to heal my son. He's laid out. Are you kidding me? I guess his healing's coming in the resurrection. Verse 27. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. Now, I don't know. I like to, I like to theorize scripture. I wonder how long Jesus waited before he picked the boy up. But he's like, Peter, watch this. They're all going to think he's dead. Just give them 10 seconds. They're freaking out. <laughs> like, we, we don't know, but I, I, read, I read funny scripture. I just put, make it real. Here's what we do know. The miraculous happened. Jesus alone, despite the messy faith of a father, and despite a connection issue, is still showing, I'm still here. I haven't changed. You may not be connected enough to me. You may be too connected to the world. I'm still God. I'm still going to do what I do. Disciples, you weren't able to do it. I'm here. And the father and the boy go home. But the disciples don't leave yet. They're still trying to figure this out. Because they've prayed for people before, and they've seen their prayers answered. We read that in the gospel accounts where they came back to Jesus, like, Jesus is so cool. I cast out a demon. I healed this person. It was awesome. You should have been there. And Jesus is like, yeah, I know. I gave you the power to do that. But now, they weren't able to. So, Again, I just think humorously the way that Mark writes this, it says in the next verse, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples low-key asked him privately, yo, Jesus, everyone's gone. Are you going to do that? Why couldn't we do that? Don't tell anybody. What was stopping us? Why was there a connection issue? Like They're embarrassed because they know we used to be able to do this. And that's part of your story. It's part of my story. Where you have these days where you feel like the connection with God is so real. And then there might be other days where you feel like, where in the world is he? 
why am I not seeing life the way I saw it on Sunday or on Tuesday? What's changed? What do I need to know on the days where it feels more like dial-up than ongoing? What do I need to do where I want my faith to increase, but I'm really struggling to believe today? And Jesus got no secrets, so he tells them. Very simply. He replied, this kind can come out only by. Now the question is, don't, don't ruin my sermon yet, hold on. The question is, what goes in the blank? What goes in, what, the question is, remember, because what we saw was something deep. That was awesome. That boy had a demon. He got healed. That was crazy. So if that was crazy, that means the solution must be crazy. If you were here last week, I shared with everybody, if you're looking for deep, this is not the Sunday to be here. Last Sunday, the answer was read your Bible. That was it. That's what God says. God, I got these thoughts. I don't have to take captive. 6,000 thoughts a day. Read your Bible. So here, I wonder what the disciples are thinking. Like, tell us, Jesus, what's he going to say? Oh, don't worry. To do this, you, you need a master's degree in divinity. You, you need, you know what the problem was? You guys didn't scream enough at the demon. You got to show that demon who's boss. You got to raise your voice. You need some oil. You got to prophesy. You got to do something that you can go viral. If someone just gets 10 seconds, your ministry is through the roof. You got to do something like that. Because after all, this is big. Jesus doesn't say any of that. Mark 9, 29. This kind can only come out by prayer. By prayer. Really? In fact, if you're taking notes, you should write in your notebook what I wrote in my notebook when I read that verse. Prayer? Really? And then I just sat there like, Jesus, I'm going in front of people. I need something more. I need something impressive. I need something deep. I need something that we can work towards. I can work towards a master's degree, but prayer? Prayer? Which makes me wonder, did the disciples not pray for the boy? Because if they did, he would have been healed. Could it be that they sidestepped and jumped over a basic foundation of the Christian life because they wanted to do something deep, something more? And Jesus goes, you guys just didn't pray. You don't have a lifestyle of prayer. You are unbelieving. You're disconnected from the Lord. You're perverse. You're too connected to the world, and you need to pray. Why? What does prayer do? This is prayer. Prayer connects us to God. That's what prayer is. That's what prayer does. It connects us to the Lord. And so if we're having connection issues with God, here's a great question. When's the last time I prayed? Let me share with you a fictitious day that never happens to any of us. The alarm goes off and you hit the snooze button. And you hit it again and hit it again and again. Now you're late. My day's already starting off late. I'm rushing around the house. I drink coffee on the way there. I spilt my coffee. You gotta be kidding me. I get in the car and now there's traffic. Now I gotta wait in traffic so now I'm gonna be really late and then once I get to work, I get a phone call from the school. Are you kidding me? I gotta pick them up again. Oh, this is the last time. He's not coming home today. Again, fictitious. This never happened to me or my son. So you gotta go home. You gotta go pick up the kid. Then you gotta bring him back but then you got small group at night and you're leading it. You can't lead it all frazzled. So then you gotta try to get some Jesus in you because people are coming to your house. Then they show up. Hi, brother. It's all good. God bless you. The day is awesome. You hid the dog in the room. You hid the kids in the room. You hid the laundry in the room. 
the house looks great. And then at the end of the day, you say, God, where in the world were you today? I could have used you. And he goes, you didn't pray. In every moment of your day, you just didn't pray. And don't get hung up on the word pray. Prayer is simply speaking to the Lord. And, and I'm going to give you a way that you can learn how to pray at the end of our time together. But you just didn't connect with God. The reason why you and I feel disconnected from the Lord is because we're choosing not to connect with him through prayer. So the theme of prayer in scripture, because maybe you come from a religion that says, well, here's the set times to pray. Here's what to pray. Here's how to pray. Here's certain prayers. And I, and I understand. But let me just read to you Bible for a second. If you're wondering, well, when should I pray? Let me, I'm going to read some rapid fire verses. Production is going to keep up here. We're going six verses. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Philippians 4.6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Luke 18.1, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Psalms 116.2, I will pray as long as I have breath. You getting the theme? I'm going to keep going. Ephesians 6.18, pray in the Spirit sometimes and when you want to. Uh, making sure you're watching, okay? You should... On all times and on every occasion, stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Psalm 86.3, be merciful to me, O Lord, for I'm calling on you constantly. Yesterday, we had a group of people gather at the church building for monthly prayer, and it was tremendous for one hour to pray with dozens of people, to call on the name of the Lord. We have Pray First bracelets. I love wearing my Pray First bracelet. And if you don't have one, we've got them in the back by the door for you today. 21 days of prayer twice a year. We're a church that's built on prayer. We pray. We pray first. We pray last. We pray always. It's our first response in all things. How different would your connection be with the Lord if pray first was your actual response in every situation, constantly? So when should we pray? Always. All, all the time, always. But let me give you some scenarios. Maybe you're wondering, well, what do I do when my faith is weak? Pray. What about when my schedule's packed? Pray. What about when I don't feel like praying? Pray. Like if that could just be who we are and we're people of prayer, oh my goodness. The things that we would see God do in our lives. So let me, let me close by giving you first a prayer to pray. A prayer that you can begin praying today, even if you're not a Christian. This is an incredible first prayer. And it's the prayer of the Father in the moment that we read. What was his prayer? I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Start there. If you don't believe in God today, if Jesus is not your Lord and Savior... That is a beautiful first prayer. I kind of believe in God, but I've got a lot of doubt here. Help me overcome my unbelief. The word help in the Greek is beatheo, and it means to come to the rescue of. So look, the Father in this moment is coming to the Savior of the world, and he's saying, I need you, Jesus, to come to my rescue. Where else could I go? Like, I, I need you. I desire you. You are my aid. You are my help. 
I've tried going other places. For this guy, he even tried going to the disciples. Because I need Jesus. Today, you and I need Jesus. And here's the beauty of the gospel. Jesus knows our need, and Jesus came to this world for us. Before we even asked him to, he came to this world so that you and I might call on his name and know he is with us. So if you're struggling with prayer, with connection, start there. Help me. We have resources available. This next slide is going to give you a QR code that links to our website, blazechurch.org slash prayer. Uh, this is a safe time. If you want to take out your phone, you can totally do that and uh, take a picture there. Or just write that down, and here's why. On this webpage, we have a place for you to submit your prayer requests. If you're saying, I just, I can't pray for this alone, our pastoralship leaders, our pastoral leadership team would love to pray with you. We have a prayer guide that's loaded with prayers. Hey, I don't know exactly what to say. I don't know exactly what prayer is. That's there. There's video teachings on prayer. There's teachings on fasting, all there, so that you and I may not go into this week. And this week is going to happen. It, it, it's going to happen. And you and I have the beautiful invitation from the Lord. What did we read? Come to me. How? Through prayer. Come to the Lord. And watch, even on days where you should feel disconnected. I've got a peace that goes beyond understanding. I've got joy in my soul for some reason. Connected to the one who made me and who knows me. There is a God who made you, and he knows you, and he loves you, and he sees what you're going through. And you were not created to go through it alone. Your Father loves you. And this church, if this is your church, we do life together. This past week, we had nearly 80 people sign up to be in a small group in the first week. Can we celebrate that, that all these people said, I want to be connected to other people, and all these people got together and encouraged each other and prayed, and for the next nine weeks, we'll continue to do so, and you're invited to do that. All of that information is in the back by our welcome home area. I want to pray for you now, and then our team is going to lead us in one more song of response that declares our need for the Lord. So would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, we thank you that your word is so inviting and your love for us is so strong and your mercies never end. And today, there are many of us who we feel that disconnection. In our most honest moment, we would say we're having connection issues with you and yet we are invited to call on your name. May we be people who pray first. God, I pray for those who are heavy burdened today where life just seems to be beating them up wave after wave, that they would know you are with them. As Paul writes in Romans, nothing can separate us from your great love. May we live in that truth. May we know that truth. And may we choose to be people who pray 